This is Mackenzie Milton. This is Steve Levy from ESPN. And you're listening to One Night Stand. And you're listening to One Night Stand. One Night Stand. Hey, c'est condition ça qui t'est passé. Just One Night Stand. Avant toute bagaille t'est commencé. One Night Stand. Pensez que c'est ton si one This is One Night Stand. Presented by First Watch, the official breakfast and lunch sponsor of One Night Stand. What up, Night Nation? It's Tuesday, February 15th. On today's show, we go over everything that's happened since the last show. It's been a doozy these last few weeks. Danny White goes to Tennessee, brings Josh Heupel with him. We hire a new AD, Terry Mohodger, and most recently, head coach Gus Malzahn, previously of the Auburn Tigers, who we beat in the Peach Bowl. We also have our Fab Five Best and Worst Things Danny White Did, Moo's Mailbag, speaking of, I'm here with Money Moo UCF begins a new era in its athletic department as it hires former Auburn head coach Gus Malzahn and athletic director Terry Mohodger in a whirlwind of Twitter rumors. As we say farewell to outgoing AD Danny White and football head coach Josh Heupel, do I dare ask, Night Nation, how are you feeling? <laughs> That's a loaded question. I'll tell you what, man. It's been a roller coaster. So let's go back through the timeline and we can kind of talk about our reactions at each step of the way. Because, I mean, I, I really, roller coaster is the only way to do it justice because there was highs, there were lows, and I think we ended off, you know, pretty good, obviously. Um, so January 21st. Danny White gets hired at Tennessee, and this is out of nowhere. From the first leak, Volunteer Nation message board or whatever the dungeon is for Tennessee, it was like two hours later it was announced. Apparently the last time they had a bunch of leaks and it was a whole fiasco, and this time only the president was the one interviewing Danny, so it was like super, super hush-hush. What was your feeling when this I think I texted you and let you know, like, what was your initial reaction? And then how did you kind of feel after you had to, time to process it? Well, I mean, it was completely out of the blue. Uh, it, we had to do a whole, like, Instagram live thing to just kind of talk about <laughs> it, you know? It, it kind of seemed like it was a, a loss in the family, uh, which it was. I mean, you know, we just... Uh, I still... It still doesn't seem real. <laughs> Is that the way you feel? Uh, I mean, I would have said that initially, but now that we have someone in his place, I think it's kind of set into reality. Initially, I'm like, oh, crap, the world's over. We're going back 0-12. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But when we had time to discuss it with each other, like you mentioned on Instagram Live, Kind of talking it out, it made me realize, I mean, one, Danny did all he could do for us. You know, all of our sports teams were the only D1 program or D1 school in the nation that had every varsity sport go or have a winning record over the last three years, which is insane. I mean, he did all he could do. He, You hit a ceiling as an athletic director being in a smaller conference. You can't really get national championships, but... His goal was to make, you know, us a top 25 athletics program, and he did. And he got, you know, huge fan base support, an incredible amount of donations. And we'll talk about this later about some of his accomplishments, but he left it. I mean, the path has kind of been paved for whoever steps into his shoes, you know. He did a bunch for us, and as long as we hired someone that's somewhat competent, um, I'm confident that you know, we're in a good spot to, to move forward. This isn't like 15. I mean, it was a dumpster fire. He turned it all around and we just need someone to come in and kind of, you know, I don't want to say maintain because I always want to keep getting better, but just to continue us on the path that Danny started. And, uh, you know, for that, I'll, I'll forever be grateful. And, you know, talking about this with you, I mean, I obviously don't want him to leave, but I'm not really worried that much. And then, I mean, then he takes Josh Heupel. <laughs> it's his last parting gift to UCF. I could not believe. You know how many people 
that must have said no to the Tennessee job for him to to hire Josh Heupel when he knows like the stuff that's gone on behind the scenes. He knows how much the fan base and the players hate him, and that was his best choice. <laughs> oh, thank you, Danny. Uh, what were your what, what was your reaction when that happened? I mean, when that happened, it had to have been like Christmas morning when you wake up and you wanted that puppy, but you knew that there was no way in heck that your parents were going to get get you that puppy. And then the puppy like pops out of the box and it's there. (laughs) That's kind of how I feel about, you know, Hypo leaving to go to Tennessee. It's something that everyone wanted, but no one thought that it would happen the way that it did and how quickly that it did. I mean, we all were talking about this weeks before is that love him or hate him. We were kind of stuck with him. Yeah. And it was probably the best that we were stuck with him because at the time, I mean, you know, whenever there's a coaching change, there's a transition and it's not like we could fire him. It's like I said, fire him all. I think, yeah, I mean, at least all season. And but in reality, I also said, I'm like, look, I mean, we're stuck with him, so we need to support him and have his back, which was true. But I never thought that him getting hired at another school was another option. Um, and I never thought Danny leaving was either. But one kind of um, sparked the other. And next thing you know, we're athletic directorless, coachless, and somehow happy. <laughs> Who would have thought? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's almost like you you know getting your student loans forgiven. It's like you're stuck with them, so you're gonna pay them off. But then all of a sudden, this gift from above, like yeah. Joe Biden, <laughs> takes them away. Joe Biden from left field. <laughs> no, that that's that's a great analogy, and it, it, we were never expecting it either. But at the same time, we're not complaining. I didn't hear anyone complain when when Hypo left, and I think that really speaks volumes about who he was as a coach. I didn't hear a player upset. The only people that were upset were like people that were upset that he didn't talk to them before leaving, not upset that he left. I didn't hear a single person complain. I think it's the first time Night Nation has unanimously um, been kind of on the same side of an opinion or something like that. I mean, it was just overwhelmingly kind of happy he was gone. I mean, and... We'll get to the head coach uh, replacement in a sec, but I was thinking like, okay, Lebby comes in. The worst we're going to be is the same, but maybe we could be a lot better, you know? Um, so looking at it from that perspective, I was like, this is this is a win-win no matter what. Um, so yeah, thank you again, Danny. Final parting gift. <laughs> Just Thanks. funny, Tennessee still hasn't been able to hire a defensive coordinator because... No one wants that job. It's- hmm. I can think of one person that might. Who, Randy Shannon? <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Uh, we'll get to that later in the show. So then you put, fast forward three days later, where four-star wide receiver recruit from Hawaii, Titus, I can't say it. <laughs> Titus Mok. Mokiayo Atimalalala. Allah. No, you added one more la. Titus Mokiayo Atimalala. Close enough. Okay. Anyway, he he had his big decision. Um, there was going to be at 1 p.m. Hawaii time, which I then frantically Googled how many hours <laughs> back that was. I almost missed it by an hour. I thought it was six, it was five, or, or something like that. Seven, six, I don't know. Yeah, so... Anyway, that was fun. He announced his commitment to the University of Central Florida in his home in Hawaii with no coach and no athletic director, mind you. Shout out to his dad, though, who was later interviewed and said that they picked the school and they fell in love with the school. They didn't fall in love with the coach or anything else. And Titus committed to the school, so we appreciate you you know, fulfilling that commitment and uh, sticking with the UCF. And I promise you that it was the best decision of your life. Definitely. Speaking of not falling in love with the coach, has anyone ever fallen in love with Josh Heupel? Like Arby's or something? (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, he's just, he's not a likable guy though. Like 
Go back to any of his interviews or press conferences. He is so boring and vanilla. He doesn't... Uh, he has no personality. It's uh, it's terrible. It's, yeah. So, I mean, I felt that way when I first met him, you know, at the Peach Bowl. Like, he was just announced, what, it was like a week before yeah. that he was going to be the coach. And same thing, very vanilla, you know. He knows four plays, so... Wouldn't expect his personality to be any different. It's funny though, if you go back to like the nineteen Fiesta Bowl, the offense looked way more different and like more exciting and, and multiple. I mean, it was, it's just weird. It's gotten worse and worse. But anyway, we don't gotta deal deal with that anymore. And uh you know what? I'll say this though. I'll be rooting for Tennessee. I wish him the best. I seriously do. I've got no hard feelings against him. Uh you know, obviously, I didn't agree with a lot of stuff, but at the same time, I want to see Danny do well. I want to see Josh do well. No hard feelings. Now that we're broken up, I can root for them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> not that I wasn't before, but um, yeah, I will not be rooting for Tennessee. I'm I, sorry. Well, I'm. You know what, man? It's just another way we can hate the Gators. So between FSU and Tennessee, uh, yeah, I like rooting against the Gators. So that, that makes it fun. Um, okay, so. Let's go to Terry Mohajer, the new athletic director. This guy is absolutely electric. He's like outgoing and not really afraid to, you know, take risks and stuff like that. But he's also just like a hilarious character. Um, what were your kind of first impressions of him? Yeah, absolutely. I thought, you know, I, I always watch the initial press conference and you can actually learn a lot about somebody and just the way that they talk. Um, yeah, definitely. You know, what's like the old adage, like, you know, if you're going to like somebody within like the first, I don't know, 10 seconds you meet him or so- something. Something like that. Yeah. And um, I thought he was a little bit nervous at first, but, you he- know, this is a major step up for for him. Um, Arkansas State, pretty small school. Also, my mom's alma mater. So make that two people I know from that school. Hey, uh, <laughs> but, wait, wait, you know, go three. Gus Malzahn. Oh yeah. <laughs> anyway, well, he didn't grad. He didn't graduate from there. Fair enough. Mo Hodger's actually an alumni. Yeah. So you know, he was a bit nervous at first, but I think stepping into the limelight of UCF, you know, biggest alumni base of the nation. You know, pretty much power. I would say we're. we're Let's just end the conversation. We're a power five school. Power six. Just like power six, whatever. Just like Terry said in his initial con- in his initial uh, press conference, it's like you are who you think you are. Exactly. Or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's true though. I mean, you got to believe in yourself and believe that you can cont- contend for a national championship. Like Gus, if he went up there and was like. Oh, the playoff always screws UCF, so I don't want to talk about, you know, making the playoff. No, he was like, we're going to be in the Final Four. You got to at least pretend to believe it and get everyone else to. If you don't believe it, it ain't going to happen on accident, that's for sure. Right. So, I mean, I I believe it. And I think Terry can really take us, you know, to where the vision that Danny had for the school. And Terry can continue on that legacy. You know, Danny wasn't here for that long. Usually athletic directors are a lot have a lot longer tenure than, you know, football head coaches. It's not like, you know, football head coaches, they lose a couple games and it's like, oh, they need to be fired. But athletic director, it's like it's hard for you to do any to make any like fireable offense. Yeah, no, I agree. They're usually there for I mean, it's although this is kind of change in the NFL recently, but it's like a GM kind of in the NFL. If they have a bad run with a head coach or whatever, bad draft picks, they're still not canned. The coach goes or whatever. They usually get yeah. at least two shots and they're there for a while. <laughs> you, just bl- you just blame everything on the coach. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, no, they don't. The turnover is not that high. But all right. So my initial impressions of uh, Terry were one it was very hard for him to leave his alma mater. You could tell he got emotional right from the beginning. Um, very passionate. You're right. He was nervous. He kind of stumbled and stared at his notes for, for a prolonged period, but I would be too. And honestly, that shows authenticity. 
He wasn't just a politician and could make up some coach speak, you know. He, right. No coach speak. He stumbled. I at, like that about him. And he cares. And he showed a lot of personality, which, you know, a lot of times when when you're new at something, you don't always make jokes or whatever. You're serious at first until you can get more comfortable. And, I mean, his <laughs> the way he ended the press conference, I don't think he knew it was going to be over. They cut him off, and he was like, what? That's it? No band? No cheerleaders? Like, he just – he is who he is, and I, I love that. Like, he's very authentic, and uh, I, I'm, I'm, I was so hyped after that. And then, obviously, um, you know, the Malzahn press conference, I wanted to run through a freaking wall. But let's go back um, and talk about the time between – so it's February 8th. He was hired as AD. A week later, Malzahn was hired. But during that week – there were a lot of Lebby rumors. The players were all, you know, tweeting hashtag we want Lebby. I think everyone everyone was kind of on board with that. And we looked at Malzahn and I'm guilty of this. I mean, I'm like, I don't want P five leftovers or sloppy seconds. And I never really thought about him or looked at his resume, but I mean, just if you take two seconds to look at his Wikipedia, I mean, first of all, I coached at Auburn for over a decade. Most SEC coaches don't last for more than two to three years, so that speaks volumes. He beat Saban three times. He led Auburn to a national championship as offensive coordinator. He took him back as a head coach, and they lost to FSU. You know, three conference championships total, two of those SEC. He's had six NY6 bowl appearances in eight years. I mean, this is not like... Charlie Strong or, or Kevin Sumlin or one of those guys that, you know, went to like a Texas or whatever school for two years, got fired, and then came back to the American. This guy was a solid coach for a long time in the hardest conference. And this is a freaking slam dunk hire. We took a risk when we hired Frost, a coordinator, a hypo, a coordinator. These are guys, yes, they were great coordinators, but that doesn't always translate into being a great leader which is so much more. A lot of the time, the best head coaches weren't even the best coordinators, or they weren't coordinators at all. You look at uh, John Harbaugh. He was a special teams coordinator. He didn't lead an offense or defense, but he's a great leader, and he's proven that. So now we've got a guy who's proven that he's an amazing leader. He won three state championships as a high school coach. That's where he started. So this guy put in his time, climbed up the ladder, and did it at every level. And there's no... If Sands or butts, if this guy's going to be a great leader, he is a great leader. He's proven it, and he's proven that he's you know great with offenses too. I mean, this is a slam dunk hire in my opinion, and I feel bad for not you know getting on the Gus bus sooner. Um, what were your thoughts about him overall? So I think I, a little bit of the same. I was wrong at first for jumping to the conclusion that, oh, we needed Jeff Levy. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think my initial thoughts were to trust Terry. And I mm-hmm. I realized that after the press conference. I initially said, you know, when when we when Danny White left, I, I said that we needed somebody young. I can remember this. I said we needed like the youngest AD and maybe the youngest unproven football coach, you know, in all of college football. But I was wrong when I said that. So our team is young. Mm-hmm. And I've started to realize this, like thinking about it over this last week, the team is young and we need someone that can lead. We need someone proven. We need someone a little bit older, but still, you know, fit. so Gus is 55. Like, yeah, it's kind of old, but. As far as a coach, it's really like the Medium. prime of yeah. your years. Yeah. And you can still connect with, you know, kids that are 18, you know, 21 years old. So I think it's a slam dunk. It's an A+. Plus. Um, I definitely heard the passion in Gus's voice today when he talked about, you know, really building a br- building a brand. When he d- Look, he, t- he didn't even want a coach. This year, yeah. he was thinking about sitting out for a year, maybe two. This job but when was he heard, too good. Yeah, when he heard that the job was open, it just like revitalized him back into like wanting to coach again. It, it's and some people may look at that as a bad thing, like oh, he just wants to come like retire in Florida. But 
I don't think that's it. I think that he knows he has an edge in the state, like with recruiting and, you know, already. And I can guarantee you that every SEC coach wants to recruit in Florida. It's where all the talent is. Yep. Like all of the talent in in college football, uh, probably 75% of the talent comes from Texas or Florida. Yeah. It's just true. It's true. Yeah, it is. And every SEC coach is down here. Now, we've had a lot of trouble recruiting in Florida. I've seen kids that even around the Orlando area that we can't get. Like even three-star guys around around the Orlando area like go to other schools and I don't know why. I never knew why. But um I think that you know Gus for us at this point and where we are as a university is a slam dunk hire. Now, I want to ask like how long do you think he's going to stay? Cuz he did mention numerous times which I'm sure that you know something you have to say like during the first day of the press conference is that he wanted to make a long run here at UCF, but we all know that this is not typically a school where you do that. Well, so what do you think? I mean, here's the thing. He got I think like 21 or 27 million or something like that from all to quit or to get fired or whatever, severance. He's not here for the money, one. Although he is getting 2.3 million a year, that's not bad, but two, the temp t- All right, the reason we couldn't keep Frost or Hypel is because they're getting offered double plus per year at these big schools. This guy doesn't need that money. That doesn't matter. Like, I don't blame anyone for leaving this job when you can get double what you've, what you're making per year, and that's a million times more than you've ever made. For this guy, he's already got all this money. So money's not going to be the factor. You know what I'm saying? It mm-hmm. might be like a, a really good program or something like that. Like maybe, you know, if Saban retires and he has a chance to fill that, I mean, I get that. But it's not just going to be because someone's, you know, any any program's just throwing money at them. So I think there's maybe 10 schools, you know, with super, super solid brands that could maybe steal him away. But I just don't see that happening. I I hope he's here for the long term. I mean, he knows that. He could be the guy that really takes us to the promised land. Like, we had a flash of it with George, but there were some bad years with that. We had a f- flash with Frost, obviously. That was great, but he was only here for two years. He could be the guy that we talk about forever because we don't have one yet. No offense to George, again. I mean, George did a lot of great things, and actually both coaches before him did too. Um, but this could just be next level if he really is invested in this. You know, like you said, he's only 55. He could stay here for a decade or so. And, man, if he did, I mean, look him up. So when he was a high school um, state champion coach, he literally wrote the book on the no-huddle offense. This is back in, like, 2000. Like, he literally wrote a book about no-huddle offense. Like, you can buy it on Amazon, an actual book. And this was before the no-huddle offense was a thing. Like, this guy has been way ahead of everyone on on offensive strategy. I mean, his first year at Tulsa is offensive coordinator. They were first in the nation in total offense. In his second year, they had the highest scoring offense in college football history in 2008. In his second year at Tulsa, his first year in Auburn as offensive coordinator, they went from 110th to 16th in total offense. I mean, this guy knows his stuff, okay? He's an offensive genius. And, you know, the record might not look that great, although I think his winning percentage was still like 65 or, uh, you know, 65% or something like that at Auburn. But it's Auburn. I mean, they play a really tough SEC West schedule. I think, you know, with an easier schedule like UCF has, with the more uh, greater av- availability of talent in Florida. And with, you know, what we've already got set up for him here, I mean, I just think he's going to absolutely crush it. I think it's a perfect fit. The more I talk about it, the more I sell myself. Um, The guy's a proven winner. So how could he win at a tougher situation? Two SEC championships? 
And that not translate to success at UCF, where, let's be real, like two games decide if we win the conference or not, pretty much, as long as you don't lose to Tulsa. So, (laughs) no, but I'm serious, though. I mean, that's really what it is. And, you know, some reporter uh, asked a question to, to Gus and said, you know, you're walking into a pressure cooker, the UCF fan base. And then he went on to explain that, our expectations versus reality or some crap are way too high compared to other schools. Look, I'm sorry. There's no reason we can't run the table or, you know, go 12 and one every season. We almost did. I think if we had a little bit more competent coach, we would have the last two years. I mean, we're just a couple plays away from winning all those games. Uh, Undefeated is hard. You know, there's a lot of luck involved. You always talk about that, you know, Odd-shaped ball rolls around, and you know you never know what happens. Fumbles, everything like that. But there's no reason you can't consistently win 11, 12 games, and we should always be competing for a conference championship. Absolutely. No, I think really too, it just changes the whole mindset of the program. You know, somebody asked Terry um, in one of the interviews, "Is you know, are you against the two for ones, and do you want a home and home?" with power five teams. And I can't remember the exact quote, but he seemed a lot more up for the challenge and to, you know, t- scheduling tougher, tougher opponents. So then you go to Gus this afternoon, uh, when posed the same question and he said that we'll play anybody, even if it's in a parking lot. So I love the new mentality. Um, you know, of course I back Danny for what he said, you know, we, we did need one for ones, but I think the new mentality of this UCF team led by Malzahn is going to be anytime, any place, any team, any I- team. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say anywhere. But I, know, I was like, same as place. place. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, that that's the way it's got to be. He, yeah. said, he said it, you know, it only takes one, right? We, you got to win all your games, no matter what, right? Uh-huh. In the conference that we're in. So one of them has to be a top 10 team. Who cares if it's at home? So Who cares? What's the ultimate goal? The ultimate goal is to make it in the playoffs. The ultimate goal is not to have a cool home game with a Power 5 team. Even though it, that would be nice. So You did, know, for our season ticket holders, so, but... So to here, me, well, here's here's here was Danny's rationale for it, and this might not actually be, but this was his reasoning for sticking to this, is that we need the home game money. So if we take a two for one, we're losing out on an extra home game that year, which is about two million dollars in revenue. If that's a legitimate, excuse, I mean, I don't know our budget. Two million dollars is a lot of money, but at the same time, look at the um, the what do you call it? The, the the possible value of making the playoff is way over two million dollars if we get that. Um, so the, I guess the risk reward I don't know if it's there, but that that was his reasoning, and I understand that. But I agree. And Gus said he said you know we've gotta we gotta beat a top ten team. We gotta go undefeated. Um, we can't control if teams are top tens, but hell, if we schedule a bunch of you know solid power five programs right now, chances are one of them will be top ten. Um. And it stinks. We might only have one more year with Dylan Gabriel, which is crazy to say. Hopefully we have two, but, you know, you never know. I think he would go high in the draft. So that window, the window for Dylan to make the playoffs might be gone. Unless we get lucky and Louisville gets ranked next year somehow preseason or or Boise. I mean, you know, we've got a solid schedule, but yeah, I mean... You know, I don't know the money side of it, but at this point, screw it. Do two-for-ones. Who cares? You know, anytime, any place, any team, let's do it. That's the way I am. I mean, think about it. What's the last, you know, football-related thing that actually happened on the field? We got blown off the field by BYU, and now, just a few short months later, we're sitting here with a new athletic director, a former SEC coach, winning coach, Beat Nick Saban three times, and the future is bright. That's that's all I can say. I'm glad that all the rumors and what ifs are gone, and this is it. We have our guy in Terry and Gus, roll Gus bus all the way 
to the national title. The Gus bus. Might be the second best bus besides the... Uh, did you watch the Willy bus video? Of course. <laughs> I can watch That's it a million times. Oh, it's so bad. No, it doesn't look, even make sense. It makes no sense. <laughs> There's so many things that are dumb. And it's so weird. Like, John Gruden is in it. I don't think even think he was the Bucks coach when they made the video. Like, it makes no sense. Gruden didn't coach there for, like, 10 years, and they just threw him on the bus. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Whatever. How excited are you for the spring game? When is the spring game? Was that announced yet? I have no idea. Is there? Is <laughs> I just want to see something other than run up the middle and throw it to Hescock on Dude, the side. Some motion, some freaking motion, something different. Malzahn uses a ton of motion. I love it. I'm excited for the run game to like actually be something other than just like run it to one side or the other. Um. <laughs> It's awesome. Uh, remember, too, we still have a garage sale. It didn't happen last year due to COVID. Maybe they'll figure out a socially distanced one this year. That'll be exciting. I mean, I don't see why we can't do a, a socially distant spring game. We did football games or whatever. So at this point, um, I mean, I already had COVID, so I think I'm good for a couple months. Um, I was fine. Not saying it's not serious. I'm just saying I'm I'm a little immune with my antibodies. But yeah, no, excited to see some kind of different offense. You know, the spring game in general is always a glimpse into. You know, we always get you know uh, a flash from some player we'd never really seen before, who ends up being a breakout star that season. But now we get to see a whole new offense, which will be definitely exciting. A lot of things to, to look forward to. I, you know. Like I said at the beginning, this was a roller coaster, and it truly was. I mean, lowest of lows when Danny left upon first reaction. And then we started climbing up. I was like, all right, we're better. Then, you know, Heupel takes the Tennessee job. We're cruising, man. And then Terry, introductory press conference, we're full steam ahead, and then boom, Gus Malzahn. It's like full elation. Uh it couldn't have gone down better. I, I really mean it when I say that. I'm not just trying to be confident for everyone listening. I don't think this could have played out any better. Absolutely, it's exciting. Uh, make sure to buy those season tickets. Call it the UCF ticket office. Uh, 407-823-1000. I saw that Brooke Smoley tweeted out, you know, make sure and buy your season tickets. And an hour later, she said she sold like 55 seats. Yeah, which is pretty incredible for the middle of February. I looked at the se- <laughs> I looked at the seating chart thing, and there's like almost nothing available. So get your tickets now, while they're hot. All right, all right. Are we moving on? Moving on. I just wanted to go over some quick basketball updates. The Knights are now six and eleven on the season with USF coming up next when next game this Wednesday, 7 o'clock ESPNU to try and even out the se- season series with the Bulls. It's been tough going for basketball, man. Like, uh, I don't know what, if it's like a rebuilding year or it just feels to me like when I'm watching the games that every game we don't gel. Like, there's always one guy that goes off, and then the next game, like, for instance, Isaiah Adams, I'm not, like, calling him out or anything. He's, he's an incredible talent, amazing star. Mm-hmm. But, like, the last game, he had, like, no or uh, two points. Yeah, I think Green and then, had, like, all uh, and the then points. One, you know, and then one game, C.J. Walker will break out. And then another game, like, Mayhan will break out. It's like, we can't all gel and be on the same page together on the same night to get the W. That's just, you know, yeah, solid observation it's by felt, me. It's felt choppy and, you know, COVID happened. We didn't practice for like two and a half weeks because of the COVID thing. And then we just got thrown back out there. And, you know, this was a fairly new roster, you know. These guys haven't played that much together. And I don't know. I mean, it, I think the product on the court is kind of reflected – reflected that uh but we've shown signs of you know flashes of some really great defense some very efficient offense and 
you know, maybe we'll put it all together in time for a little conference tournament run. Yeah, Darius Darius Perry, another one. The the game against Wichita State a few nights ago. I mean, the kid the kid was very motivated, and it just seems like when one guy steps up, everyone else just kind of folds and I don't know, lets that guy star. I I don't know much about basketball, but I I I am pretty good at reading body language, and I just feel like that's the case with this team. It's like they're all a ton of there it's a ton of talent and their star potential but when one guy starts to step it up it's like everyone else just kind of relies on them yeah you know what i mean instead of everyone trying to step up at the same time and i know there's only one ball and one hoop and no it's a team sport, all that. though i don't know maybe they can gel it together here at the end but uh hey nah, you know what kind. you just gotta get hot at the right time look at the bucks Halfway through the season, they're seven and five. They got like shut out by the Saints, and everyone was like, you know, was this working? Whatever. But they got hot at the right time for the playoffs. And like the NFL, there's a clear path to the playoffs. You just got to win the conference tournament. So, hey, you never know. Um, also, real quick, women's basketball putting together under the radar a little bit a very very solid season. 10 and 2 on the year, number 2 in the AAC, behind number 14 nationally USF, um who they actually play coming up here in a couple games soon. We're not ranked, but that's going to be a big game and I think this is a tournament team. So, definitely very exciting. Coach Abe has done an incredible job, you know. The women's program doesn't get enough credit. I mean, you know, women's sports overall might kind of go under the radar, but she's really, really turned this program around. I mean, they're constantly like a 20-win team. It's insane. Um, well, funny you say that, Sean, about being a possible tournament team. There is a ESPN Bracketology page for the women's tournament, and right now they're currently projected to be a 10-seed in the NCAA tournament. So this will be what, like two out of three years or three out of four that they've made yeah. um, the March Madness tournament. Yeah, and I mean, look, they beat USF, who's number 14 here in a couple of weeks, and we'll be ranked too. And, you know, like you said, only two losses this season. So definitely uh, something to get excited about. And this past Sunday, former UCF student Eric Almarola's Daytona 500 bid was cut extremely short when he crashed on lap 14. He was okay, though. Just kind of a bummer. Um, but yeah, dude, that was the longest race in like the history. I don't know why they just didn't finish it on Monday. It was like a seven-hour rain delay. I thought it was over, and I just didn't hear about it. And then I saw the stuff the next... Uh the next morning or whatever about like the super underdog. And I was like, Oh crap. Like I thought it was over and I just didn't hear about it. It was actually that it took like forever. Yeah. It's supposed to, it started at like two thirty in the afternoon and finished at like one. <laughs> <laughs> and there were still people there. Oh, of course. Drunk. Dude, they were in the stands. <laughs> drink. I mean, you took oh, me. Oh yeah. To, I remember we went there. You took me to, uh, to the homestead, the last race of the year, I think the one time. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was awesome. I was like, wow, I've never seen people this drunk ever. I think we were like 18 or something like that. But I mean, I've been out and seen drunk people, but NASCAR is a whole other level. All right. Next up, we've got our Fab Five. A little homage to Danny White. The Fab Five things Danny White did well at UCF. Best things he did. Um. All right. Let's go. You go, I go. All right, number one on our Fab Five, best things that Danny White did. Is this ordered? The, this is unordered, right? Unordered, I guess. Right, yeah. yeah, unordered. I don't want. I don't feel like using like my brain to have to rank these because it'll be, take a while. <laughs> All right, starting the keep charging on fund instead of making department wide pay cuts. Awesome idea by him, nope. and uh, obviously COVID and the pandemic, you know, hurt. All of college football programs uh, nationwide, a lot of people had to cut out entire sports um, a lot, to stay alive. A lot of athletic departments, yeah, they cut uh, they cut entire sports. They cut staff. 
I mean, a lot of people got laid off and still don't have their jobs back. Well, you know, I just wanted to say it's also in part due to, you know, this podcast and coming up with the National UCF Day in August to uh, sort of as like a donation drive to add to the Keep Charging On fund. So we will take full, almost full credit for that. I mean, leave it to Danny to take a bad situation and spin it into something positive. Like you said, instead of asking the coaches to take pay cuts, he just turned it into this fundraiser thing. So the coaches were forced to donate to it, but also it got everyone else donating. Whereas if he had just did pay cuts, no additional money from the fan base would have been raised. So he took a bad thing and spun into a great thing. And we're approaching $2 million as we speak, actually. If you want to donate, go to UCF24.com. It's a little speed link I made during the UCF Day thing. Uh, yeah, so definitely uh, one of the best things you did. All right, next up, number two on our list. I'm going to go with the hiring of Scott Frost. He was kind of an unknown, came out of left field. Uh, if you don't remember, Dino Babers was our coach like for 24 hours officially. Went until Who? He- <laughs> until he wasn't. Yeah, he's like on the outs at Syracuse. And, you know, our number one choice actually was Greg Schiano at the time, but he didn't want the job. But, hey, everything happens for a reason. We got Scott Frost. He got Mackenzie Milton. I mean, ugh, the the le- we do this like once every couple podcasts. So many things that had to have happened for us to get Mackenzie and for us to end up where we were. So many things could have gone different, but – Kind of the first domino, I guess, was Danny White, and then it was Danny White hiring Frost, and Frost recruiting Milden. The rest is history, but obviously that that was huge, and uh, you know that affected us for the rest of time as UCF fans. So definitely grateful. That was an incredible find and hire by him. And uh, like I said, at the time it was from left field. He wasn't even on the list of possible candidates. So great job, Danny. Next on the list, we have the stadium and facilities upgrades. So I know Danny was behind all the stadium upgrades, the on-field cabanas, expanding the club level, uh, the Carl Black and Gold club level. I'm pretty sure he was behind like the second student section and increasing total student capacity to, I think, the largest in the nation, right? Uh, I'm not. Sh- like I'm that. not sure, but it's definitely big. Definitely it's got to be big. the largest percentage. Okay, there's no. What is there? Thirteen thousand student seats. There's yeah. no way. There's twenty five. There's. I'd like to find another stadium that has twenty five percent of the tickets or students. <laughs> I don't know if that's good Ain't or gonna bad. Happen. But yeah. <laughs> Whatever. No, it's awesome. You know they're gonna show up. You know they're gonna be loud. Well, I mean, I don't know if they'll stay. I'd but... rather have people that pay, but. I, he took the fact that he knew how many season tickets we could sell, and then he also knew the student demand was high, and just, yeah. And he made it in both end zones, which is cool, too. So we always get little interference on the uh, extra points and field goal tries or whatever. Uh, but, yeah, also the cabanas, you know, the seatbacks, everything he did, the uh, the the stadium, what are they called? The end zone cabana things? The loge cabana? No, the loges are up top. The field cabanas. The oh, field the field cabanas. cabanas, yeah. Genius. I mean, that was just unused real estate sitting right there. And I think each one of them costs like 30 grand. There's probably yeah. like 20 of them. Boom, an and extra half FAU million dollars. Had, FAU had to copy us. And then I think some other, somebody else copied us too. Yeah, of course. I mean, dude, it's free money sitting right there. It's a no-brainer. Hmm. Uh, yeah, so definitely a great job with the stadium upgrades. Okay, uh, next on the list... I'm going to go with three words that changed Night Nation forever. National champs, undefeated. I mean, do I even need to elaborate on this? What this did? You know, people forget, though, at the time, and I'm usually kind of ahead of possible takes, you know, depending on outcomes. A national championship claim had never crossed my mind, and it wasn't talked about among any fans. And. He already knew what he was going to do when we went 13-0 and won the Peach Bowl. And, you know, like I always say, the rest was history. I mean, three words that really changed us for forever. Put us on the map permanently. Love us or hate us. You know who UCF is. You know 
people still make jokes whenever literally anything happens. Like when the NCAA tournament was canceled due to COVID. There were a million. Oh, UCF just claimed the NCAA. <laughs> that is incredible. This is yeah. literally the gift that keeps on giving. I mean, I think they did a, a study. The monetary value of the PR we got from that was like $32 million and it's still paying dividends. It's still going. Anytime anything gets canceled or there isn't a champion, UCF claims it. That's a joke until the end of time that will always ring true. And, uh, you know, forever grateful for that. 100%. Love it. All right. Next on the list is going to be the incredible coaching staff that was all hired by Danny White. I'm talking about you, Coach Abe for women's basketball, Johnny Dawkins, men's basketball, love him or hate him. <clears throat> <laughs> I think we love him, or maybe not. <laughs> Today? Yeah. Uh, I think baseball Greg Lovelady was – Maybe hired by Danny? I don't know. Maybe cut that out. I'm no, not sure. No, Love Lady was. Love Lady was. Oh, okay. Dude, he, he was like a full changing of the guard uh, with with all the coaches that we have now co- compared to before. Some other head coaching hires as well. The soccer coach, Coach Calabrese. Coach Tiffany Roberts, former uh, Olympic gold medalist. And her husband, actually, the women's soccer coach. Coach Cindy Ball Malone, the softball coach. I mean, track and field. I could go on. Oh, Coach Todd, too, volleyball. He's awesome. Great Twitter presence. I mean, he just crushed it all around. And like I said earlier, we're the only athletics program to have every single sport have a winning record for the last three years. That is a great accomplishment. Great job, Danny, with all of your hires across the board. I mean, has he even had to fire anyone? Uh, Not that I I can know of. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) That's awesome. I mean, that's exactly what we needed. And that's why, you know, like I said, Tuxie left. I mean, we're, we're set up on the road for success long term. And it's awesome. All right. Last one. Uh, no, that was five. I know that was five. But this is a very great honorable mention. It's not 100% technically true. So we got to say it. So I'll go through the Fab Five real quick. Best things that Danny White did while at UCF. He did the Keep Charging On Fund instead of pay cuts, hired Scott Frost, stadium upgrades, all the coaching hires, the national champs undefeated, and honorable mention, hiring Josh Heupel at Tennessee. (laughs) Icing on the cake. I mean, (laughs) you almost can't make this up. Like, It's it's the only thing that was left that kind of stunk when he left and he's like I, you know like he's heard the joke and he's thought that you know maybe he did us a favor i don't know what do you sign sealed delivered i don't know see you later all right moving on all right one last the door has closed on the gus bus one moving on one, one last thing the the one thing you did that i didn't like was insisting on home and homes but yeah whatever anyway right <laughs> all right all right last up we have Moose mailbag. First up, we've got MD Night 2016. Over under 2.5 years that Gus Malzahn is at UCF. I'm going to go with over. Oh, easy. Easy. Look, I, sa- I said, you know, I think five to seven years, which isn't bad nowadays with the typical coaching carousel. Seems like, you know, there's only like a handful of jobs that are worth staying at forever. But Gus just might fall in love with this place like all the rest of us have. And I think he's going to truly lead the charge, the charge zon in this new era of UCF. So that's my take. Yeah, no, I agree. Like I said earlier, I'm thinking five to 10 minimum. Next one is from at fire. Joshi. Well, you've certainly gotten your wish, sir. Do you think Gus will bring us some more four-star recruits? Yeah. I mean, I think no doubt. You know, a guy like Gus who has a proven track record of success, a pedigree of getting a ton of guys to the NFL. I mean, I think in the last two years he had – they had eight players drafted in the last couple years. Um last two years from Auburn to the NFL. I mean, that's a lot. And also, 
there was an Auburn four-star running back that recently hit the transfer portal. His name, Mark Anthony Richards, and UCF had actually originally recruited him. So this sounds like a slam dunk. Hmm. We might already get a four-star, and, you know, Malzahn's already hitting the recruiting trail, according to uh, Brandon on the dungeon. So, yeah, I think 100%. I mean, Heupel sucked at recruiting. Who did he get? He got Dylan. You know who recruited Dylan? Mackenzie Milton. Heupel didn't even want to think about him until Mackenzie kept pressing him about it. And I can't think of any. Actually, we got more four-star recruits without a head coach than we did with Josh Heupel. Boom. Boom. It's true, though. And, you know, Mark Anthony, I mean, maybe resembles the 90s Latin superstar. By la <laughs> No, that's Enrique Iglesias. Oh. You know what? <laughs> you know what's you know what's funny? I just sold my aunt a condo and one of the sellers' names was Julio Iglesias. <laughs> Wasn't he a baseball player though? No, that was someone other Julio guy. Uh, Julio Zaleta. Julio, oh yeah. Julio is uh Enrique's dad. Gotcha. Right, and that is oh. your nineties Latin pop segment <laughs> for the day. <laughs> right. Oh, this is a good Jeopardy category. Anyway. Oh, uh, I want to give, so this is a really good question, even though we don't allow two questions per show per person, I will allow this because I did do some research on it. Um, this other question is from MD Knight. Any possibility you guys have perspective staff opinions? Uh, do you have any? Because uh, I do. I kind of heard, I like that Williams guy they're talking about is DC, but I don't want to speculate on anything that I haven't done research on. And honestly, well, like, Hold I kind of do. Hold on, real, real quick, real quick. I trust, like I trusted Terry, I will trust Gus. Whoever he hires, I know will do a phenomenal job because I trust. Big trust, actually. All right, go. I 100% agree. But in my few minutes of research in looking into this subject matter, the one name that I will throw out there is Travis Williams, who was hired by Miami a mere two weeks ago to be their linebackers coach. He did spend six years with Gus at Auburn, also as the linebackers coach. So there is a tie there. Uh, He also is an aspiring rapper, Mr. Travis Williams. Okay, I actually saw that Uh, on his Wikipedia too. He was a a linebacker for... For Auburn, yeah. Yeah, so definitely, you know, has loyal ties to Gus, and I think that speaks volumes about how, you know, respected Gus is and, you know, guys that he coached and he was an assistant under Gus too. And uh, yeah, I I like this guy. Definitely a a good up and comer. Okay. Next question is from Tom Johnson. Many of us lost it last night when the Gus news was breaking, but since it's been won over, do you think the players are being won over too? I think so too. I mean, look, if I was a player... Uh, it's hard. I I definitely think way differently than I did when I was, you know, 18. When I was 18, I would be like, oh, yeah, the, the coach, the coach, the coach. And really, in retrospect, you're supposed to commit to the school and not the coach because of how short-lived all of these coaches' careers are. So, I don't know. I mean, many of these coaches or many of these players were recruited by Heupel. So, I don't know. It's... It's a little weird. You have to trust in the system. Look, it's going to be a totally. <laughs> it's good. I say you have to trust in the system, but it's going to be a totally different system that they're learning. Now, is there anyone left from the Frost era? No, I think Otis. That class was the last there, class. There's like one or two players, but they, I think they like redshirted and yeah. I mean, it's pretty much all hype. I just want to think now. of like three systems in a college career that you're trying to learn is like, you know, kind of overwhelming, but I think that, you know, the team is young and you just got to trust, trust in the Gus, trust in the Gus, ride the bus. Uh, so from people I've talked to, I mean, obviously people were very disappointed as was I, when we realized it wasn't Lebby. And I, I, I choose my words carefully. I'm not saying when I realized it was Gus, when I realized it wasn't Lebby. Then when I spent like, Literally two minutes researching Gus, I was on board. 
And that seems to be the sentiment from the players, too. He made a great first impression with his first press conference. I know they had a team meeting. I'm sure that went well, too. And, I mean, when you look at the guy's pedigree, and then nothing against Levy. I mean, like I said, I, I wanted him, but he's not a proven winner. And he might be, but there's a risk involved with that. Instead, we've got someone that has won multiple times, all different programs, all different levels. This is a slam dunk. It's absolutely the best thing for us. And I think the players are going to come around to that too. I mean, you know, there was the whole thing with Dylan Gabriel deleting UCF from his Twitter, which MD Knight 2016 pointed out instantly. He's been like the king of who's following and unfollowing you know, Kevin Smith and, and Lebby throughout this whole last couple weeks. And he noticed that right away. And then Dylan, when he got called out on it, instantly changed it back. I mean, these are kids. They're emotional. I mean, I say dumb stuff on Twitter and do stuff. Think of what I would have thir- done. You're 32. 32 years old. Think of what these kids, and there's way more at stake for them. Like, this is their livelihood, their careers. There's a lot at stake. So when you don't get the guy you want, you get a little emotional, but you're not really thinking about what the alternative is. You're just thinking, hey, I didn't get what I want. I'm going to pout about it. And that's okay. Um, These guys are going to come around to Gus. I mean, I already am. I think I just talked myself into him more throughout this show. When you look at all the the facts, it's a no-brainer. It'll be easy to get sold on him. So I I think the players are, are definitely, they're definitely sitting okay. All right, this next one is from Eric Lee Ultimate. Could get a little heated here. With an obvious rebuilding year, new system, none of his own recruits, late start, what is your number of wins for a successful first season, and what's your win-loss prediction for 2021? I normally kind of... on the negative side there, Eric. No, no, I mean, I I normally kind of screen the questions first, and this is a very common question in the offseason kind of threw me off here. I mean, you know, we got we got Boise at home, we got Louisville 13 and 0, 14 and 0, 15 and 0. I don't know. I mean, for a so for a successful season, it's a conference championship. However you get there doesn't matter whether that's, you know, 11 and 2, 12 and 1 or 11 and 1 and 12 with the bowl game win. Uh Conference championship is the bare minimum, I think. Now, I mean, if we don't win it, I won't be mad. Like, it's a transition year. It can happen. Like, I I don't know. But that's what I would consider a successful season is, you know, hoisting the American Conference Championship trophy, hopefully at home on, you know, beginning of December 2021. What do you think? I think it it was way too negative to to begin with. I look forward. I look to the future. Yes, we do have a tougher schedule this year. A lot of our AAC foes, you know, have kind of caught up to us in the last couple of years. Being Tulsa, you know, Cincinnati, Memphis, still hard out. I, I still think it's like conference championship or bust for us. And uh, I know that's a lofty goal, but you got to re- you got to reach for the stars. Yeah, I mean, I'm I- thinking like a successful season is only. You know, just getting winning, at least winning the division and beating USF. Yeah, I mean, and that you know that should be the goal every year. It, it is, and uh, unfortunately, we haven't been able to get there because of Tulsa, literally. But I don't think that's gonna be a problem. Uh, especially we got the Gus Malzahn revenge game factor playing Tulsa now. So actually, I don't think we play them for the next couple of years. Oh wait, no, we don't have divisions oh. anymore, right? Right. I don't even know. <laughs> All right. Uh, do we have any more? No. All right. Let's wrap this up real quick. Moo, I know you got to wake up in like three hours. Um, What's happened since the last show? I went to the Super Bowl. That was pretty cool. That was epic. I can't believe you actually paid that much money to get in. However, it's a bucket list item that I probably will never check off. So it, it, that's exactly my jealous. So so one, it's it's a bucket list thing for everyone. Me, especially as a sports fan. But two, it's the opportunity to see Tom Brady, you know, the greatest ever, do it with a whole other team, which is insane. And against Patrick Mahomes, who's supposed to be, you know, the next kind of goatish. 
when I realized it was the Chiefs versus the Bucks with that with those storylines, I'm a big storyline guy. It was a no brainer. I'm like, I have to go. Um, it really was, and it, you know, worth every dollar. And especially to another storyline, the Bucks winning a home Super Bowl. I mean, there's just so many things going going on uh, that made it really really special. You know, I didn't even get in the game till after the first quarter. I was waiting for ticket prices to drop, and they kind of did, but it's still expensive to get in. But when Gronk scored that first touchdown, we didn't know what happened from the parking lot because, you know, the ESPN app's always a little bit behind. But we heard the eruption, and I looked at my phone and said, you know, Tom Brady to Gronkowski, eight-yard touchdown, 7-3. to three, And I'm like, I got to get in here. Like, I just missed a Gronk spike, and luckily I got to see one in person. Yeah, the rest is history. That that was definitely a, a really cool experience. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm jealous. Um, <laughs> one day, Moo, you, one day. Also, you bought a Range Rover again. <laughs> hey, fool me, <laughs> fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on Moo. <laughs> yeah. It ain't no shame on me. No, I, I don't know. It just rhymed. Uh, yeah, I did. I said I was going to buy one if Levy was hired. In reality, obviously, I was already negotiating this with the dealer for over a week. I think I got a good deal. Obviously not the best investment, but you know what? I want it. I'm happy. Who cares? Like, you only live once, so whatever. I'm single. I have no kids. I have two dogs, and I have a really nice car that I love and have always wanted. And this one's not falling apart yet, like the last one. So <laughs> knock on well, Good for wood. Me, you, man. I I really do. I'm, I'm happy for you. Thank you. Glad you got what you want. You've been killing it in the real estate game. Speaking, if you guys need to sell your house. If you're in South, if you're in Southwest Florida, yes, I have completed transactions for two, two for Moo, two transactions. Speaking of, go to First Watch, get the two for you. It's a great deal. But in all seriousness, if you followed on Twitter, you know I've started the Nighthouse Network with fellow alumnus Rochelle Jenkins. We actually just made our second sale. So that's $2,000 to the Keep Charging On Fund upon closing, obviously. But that's two people. So pretty much how it works is if you're thinking about buying or selling a house, we match you up with a preferred agent that's a UCF alumni. And we know that, you know, is obviously vetted and has a great sales history and, and great track record and reviews. We match you up. We get a referral for that. And we donate it to UCF. Everyone wins. The agent gets extra business. You get matched up with a great realtor that you can trust. And we donate money to UCF. Everyone wins. So check it out. Nighthousenetwork.com. Just made our second sale. So shout out to uh, Brian O'Connor for trusting us and, uh, you know, using our service. Anything else? How's work? All right. Work sucks. I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Got to be up in, what, three hours? (laughs) I am feeling kind of great right now, and I want to give something away. Do you want to give something away? Yeah. I still have a ton of First Watch gift cards. So okay. how about we give out a First Watch gift card to, I don't know, one of our lucky listeners. A loyal listener that made it a loyal listener. an hour into the show. Thank you for listening still. All right. So I'm going to run the, I'm going to say this, and you tell me if you hate it or not, but I'm going to send out a challenge to say whoever is still listening and the first person to send a tweet and tag me, tag the show, and tag you that says what their favorite two-for-you special is when they go to First Watch will receive a free $25 gift card to First Watch so they can order it, order it again. All what right. do you think? I think that's a great idea. So let me get this straight. The first person, so if you're listening right now, you got to tweet Moo. You got to tweet me. And you got to say what your favorite two-for-you special is to order from First Watch. Am I correct? You are correct. All right. First person to do it. We'll mail you a $25 gift card to First Watch, the official breakfast and lunch sponsor of One Night Stand. That's awesome. That's a, That was a great idea. I wasn't sure where you're going with that. I mean, they're just sitting here. I, I want to give some people some free stuff. Yeah, free. free this is the good. show of free things. I mean, we've free. given away gift cards, free socks, picks, free picks. I, I like giving stuff away. Yeah, man of the people, money move. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's wrap this up. 
By the way, please subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend on iTunes or whatever podcast service you use to listen. Anything else? Last thoughts. The Gus Bus. All aboard, baby. Big trust, big Gus. Big trust, big Gus. I love it. All right. Go Knights. Charge on. Don't make nature.